When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Fire Podcast, and we've got a lot to get to on this Wednesday edition of the Fire Podcast. Thanks to everybody tuning in live for being flexible with us on this week's schedule ahead of the final match week of MLS matches. Decision day coming up this Saturday. What a couple of weeks, though, it's been, huh? Joe Chats joins me. We're here to talk about all sorts of things. We've got a couple of games to get through, and then a whole bunch of other news items. We've got... Again, the MLS playoff picture, everything you need to know ahead of the matches on Saturday. Then a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the MLS U22 under 22 list is out. We've got a U.S. Open Cup Chicago Derby this weekend. The MLS salaries came out today. Lots of fun stuff. But, Joe, I think we've got to start up with that experience at Soldier Field. <laughs> Two weeks ago now to the day uh, where the fire played Inter-Miami and just... I think we got to start with just the experience of it all. A sellout, over 62,000 fans, most of them in Messi shirts, and most of those people maybe not aware that Messi wasn't going to be there. In terms of your experiences covering soccer here in Chicago, that's, and I know for me, that might be the most enjoyable media experience I've had at a game. It certainly is because I wasn't trying to get quotes from notable people on Inter Miami. That is certainly one of the uh, very fun experiences that it was on terms of Chicago side. It was a great event. It was a lot of fun. Everyone kind of understood what had gone on. You can't really blame the fire for MLS initiatives. So I loved it. 62,000. I was rewatching some of the highlights today. The noise you hear on some of those Shakiri goals, you see the pink jerseys rising. It's a legitimate type of atmosphere that you don't get often in American soccer and I'm very happy to have been there. I would love to see media there more often as well that was there. Uh, there were stories that clearly showed a lack of understanding about the fire, but I loved the event overall. I got what I needed to get from journalistic perspective, but yeah, having Messi or Jordi Alba would have been nice or Sergio Busquets to say something would have been nice, mm -hmm. but uh that's just not the reality that Inter Miami lives in. It's it's not. And I did notice the same thing you mentioned there of when you go back and watch the highlights. A lot of those jerseys, be they messy jerseys, be they just random other soccer jerseys, those people were cheering when the fire scored. So I think that did kind of confirm the suspicion that it's not people there to root for Inter Miami. It was there people to see Messi, many if not most of them being from the Chicago area. And so they didn't get messy, but they did get a good game from a fire perspective, a 4-1 win. It was, to your point, Joe, the event it needed to be. The fire accomplished as a club what they needed to on that night in front of that big of a showing. Great work by everybody at the club as well, who I know put a lot of effort into making sure that that game day experience went off without a hitch. Uh, this is treading some old ground, but a brief rant about MLS injury reporting. Joe, 
helped tip me off, and I think a lot of people off to this one, that uh, Miami uh, released their injury report late for this game. You're supposed to do it, I believe it is 48 hours before kickoff. You're supposed to state where everybody's at, you know, available, doubtful, questionable, whatever. Uh, Miami did not release theirs till the wee hours of the morning of the game after the team had already traveled, and that report listed Lionel Messi, Jordi Alba, and Leonardo Campana all as questionable when there was already, A, a mixture of reports that some of those players, Campana in particular, definitely wasn't going to play, and B, you can't list a player as questionable if he's sleeping in his bed in Miami or Fort Lauderdale or wherever Messi lives, lives um, the day of the game. So, again, this, is, this has been a weird six months in terms of all this money and all these players coming into Miami. There's an off-season ahead to iron out some of these practices, but this has to be one of them, Joe. That if if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, I mean, there's reasons in the NFL or the NBA, there are fines for these things because the main thing, it affects gambling lines. And when yeah. you're gambling sp- partnerships, let's say if you're the NFL and you've got a partnership with DraftKings, that money's worth a lot and you can't be manipulating lines by faking or hiding injuries. And it's just the common courtesy to the also fans. <laughs> it's the thing we've dealt with in the NBA, is all of us as NBA fans. We've dealt with it the Warriors recently, LeBron and the big three with the Heat, the Spurs. This is what you have to do. Just be honest. It's all right to say he's going to miss a midweek game in October in Chicago. It's cold. He's 30-something. I get it. Just tell us. That's all we care. Then we can be honest. We can find other narratives. The casuals can find the other narratives. And you can make real fans. There were people who don't check our tweets and don't understand this and felt really ripped off by the experience. If you're spending a couple hundred bucks, you want to at least be relatively informed. And it was really unfortunate for those who weren't. Again, thank God the fire put on the performance they did. Mm Because it really did exemplify why those atmospheres matter. If you used our friends at game time, you could have gotten tickets day of for $25. <laughs> Fun little fact. Uh, so let's, Joe, let's breeze through the notable events okay. of, of this game. Um, you know, we had the, the two big near misses in the first half of the fire. They somehow don't score in the 15th minute because Benjamin Kramowski does a ridiculous flick with his mullet to deny Fabian Herbers after Shehost was blocked in the line. Yeah. And then in the 38th minute, Georgios Kutsius hits the post. And my feeling at halftime was, oh God, if it's a nil-nil draw in front of 62,000, we are never going to escape the soccer is boring accusations. A hundred percent. We'll talk about the Charlotte game, but Woof. yeah, exactly. No, that's what you need. You need to have these open games. You need to have what you might expect on a smaller pitch. Open it up. Chris Brady was fine in an open game. He only gave up a goal on a, a PK. What are you going to do? It's Joseph Martinez. But it was really fun. This is what gets people in. And yeah, 0-0 going into halftime, I think we all said to each other at some point, uh-oh, uh-oh. just the oi factor. And these are the games where you'd want to messy in because it would have absolutely screamed. He comes on in the 88th and scores a free kick to make it one I mean, again, his most recent appearance at Soldier Field did involve him subbing in, and I believe the 62nd minute only to score a hat trick in the final yep. 28 minutes of that uh, Copa America Centenario game back in 2016. So the second half, we got the goals we came for. Uh, Shakiri scores in the 49th minute. Uh, Jonathan Dean, Fabian Herbers, Brian Gutierrez, all very well involved. This is the moment I noticed all the people in the non-fire gear cheering. And say what you will about Jordan Shakiri, and we've said plenty of negative things about him on this show. 
He's a big game player. He's clearly one of those guys that when you put the bright lights on, whether it's national team, club game, when you turn the bright lights on, Shakiri's going to put on a show, and, and he does, starting with this goal. It was gorgeous interplay. It was exactly what everybody needed. Big-time players make big-time plays, and big-time players talk to the media after every hey. match. I mean, let me tell you, Shakiri does it. He does it in good matches, bad matches. He'll answer the questions, especially to the people who are always there. And mm -hmm. he showed up in a big way. I loved the interplay on the right side with Dean and Herbers and Goody. Just fabulous work. And it was kind of how the game went, that kind of game. And oh, I love I Just thinking about it, the way the crowd lifted up. You could see pink jerseys standing. It was just one of those moments that you won't forget. And to, to briefly uh, harp on the, the media point there, yeah, Jordan Curie, I tweeted about this, but I, I think it's worth repeating because it was so funny. Uh, the In the same breath, Jordan Shakiri made a joke about Inter-Miami breaking roster rules only before then saying something like, hey, when you only have three designated player spots, you got to make sure you always hit on those. Just <laughs> And also, if you had any question, he totally knew what he was doing. Like, it was the most intentional little wink, self-deprecation joke. And for somebody to do that in, like, his fourth or fifth language is just amazing. And, you know, again, we, again we've had things to say, but Jordan Shakiri, you win that round. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that Miami get the PK. That's in the 52nd minute. They equalize 1-1. Then in the 55th, we get Marin Holly Selassie subbing in for Brian Gutierrez. Somewhere between a pre-planned sub and he had some knee tightness. He had been restricted in the games leading up to it. There had clearly been pressure on him to start that game, putting on the big show. So you get 55 out of Goody. Played all right. Fair enough. Um, then the fire almost go behind twice. First, it's Facundo Farias misses a wide open net. And then within 60 seconds, Kramoski should easily slot one into the bottom corner. He also misses. Uh, vibes were bad. And then within three minutes, Marin Holly Selassie has picked the pocket of Robert Taylor and after a couple quick passes, has the fire back in front and all as well. Credit to Fabian Herbers for a fabulous oh, yeah. assist. It's a perfect one touch down the slot into the penalty area. And we had Haile Selassie on the media call today. I think he's a great player. He's say what you will about the Lugano Chicago fire. He's going to be here next year. You would certainly hope, just given his positional versatility, he'd be around, but a fabulous goal. He's the type of guy who doesn't shy away from big scenarios and give him opportunities, he will score. He then scores again four minutes later, an absolute gift from DeAndre Yedlin, who tries to use his left foot to send this ball back where it came from, across from Jonathan Dean, and Yedlin just completely swings and misses. Um Drake Callender is kind of unbalanced because he assumes Yedlin's going to get there, so I don't know how critical you can be of Drake Callender because he did not think a first-time shot was coming from Marin Holly Selassie. Who cares? It's 3-1, to one. and then seven minutes after that, we get the exclamation point. Uh, Gaston Jimenez, who, who had, had to that point had a quietly really good game, makes a very visible big play, good step and break up in midfield, feeds Shakiri. he slots at home, 4-1 the final score as the as the fire just throw a big party at Soldier Field. It was amazing. And the buildup in that play and the final goal from Jimenez is him as a defensive midfielder going across midfield, taking the ball away and instantly looking up and finding Shakiri in space. And 
we've talked about it all year, especially once Frank Klopas became the manager, that Jimenez needed to be more of an attacking player at that defensive midfield position because of his quality. And I think the last time I was here, I mentioned he had gone like 20 shots without hitting the target. Mm. And recently, he's finally been hitting that target. But when he's going forward, he's 6'2". He's really hard to get through. It's a really good player for them to have moving forward. Obviously, there's issues sometimes going back. But... (laughs) He set that up perfectly. It was a celebration goal, really, for especially for Jimenez. You know, Argentine by birth, but Paraguayan nationality. Playing against Messi's squad mattered to him. Yes, and, and again, seeing some of those those young DPs that Miami's brought in are guys he would have played against yep. down in South America. Uh, so the fire are, you know, a great mood. Everybody goes home very happy. <laughs> so naturally, what do they do? Three days later, they have the biggest letdown of all time. Uh, 2-0, home loss to Charlotte. Uh, the first goal, a pretty nice volley by former Premier League slash championship journeyman Ashley Westwood. Uh, the problem is, how did he have so much time to hit this volley? Uh, Usman Dumbia just kind of watched him line this thing up. Takes a deflection, which means that Chris Brady had absolutely no chance. So that kind of stinks. And you, you figure, okay, we'll get that one back. Well, the game then proceeds to do a whole lot of nothing for about 40 minutes. Before Miguel Navarro, who, man, can Miguel Navarro in the last two weeks of MLS seasons, what is the deal, man? Uh, people remember a couple of years ago, decision day against NYCFC, which is what we have again this weekend. Navarro just being ungodly atrocious in that game and basically single-handedly handing New York City all three points and killing the Flyers' playoff hopes. He, I uh, know, to defend Miguel Navarro. Joe, in your estimation, is there a more annoying person in Major League Soccer than Enzo Capetti? No. No. Maybe Miguel Navarro. That's it. Enzo Capetti is just the, the ultimate worst. love to have him on your team. Hate him if he's on your other team. He's what Joakim Noah was for us with the Bulls. Uh, Jeff Foster in Indiana, we all hated him. He's one of those guys... I'd say Aaron Rodgers applied, but now I think everyone hates him. But, you know, those types of players. Also, Enzo Capetti's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not that good. <laughs> no, but he does whine like him. No, Yeah, so for those who are unfamiliar, Capetti spends as much time on the floor as he does running in soccer games. And there was lots of jokes being made that he his jersey outsold Jordan Shakiri this year, which still I'm I'm a little I'm a little curious what happened there. Not so much that Shakiri was down in 25th that Enzo Capetti was 24th. So you know Capetti's making a run to the goal. Navarro just flat out tackles him. Um, Carol Swiderski says thank you very much. Scores the penalty. It's two nothing. The fire though, Joe, they do get their chances. The good news is the fire get two golden opportunities. With it, if they have scored them both, they could have equalized this game. The bad news is that both of them fell to Casper Shabilka. Yeah. There was also a chance for Shehos, and that was saved in front of goal. At least he hit the bad. target. He, yeah, Casper. Uh, I've been trying to be a Casper defender, especially once the Kutsias, uh influences arrived to just make him a bench player and mm-hmm. provide him a little more space in the attack, but... These were two opportunities to really redeem yourself in front of the fans, and he didn't. The first one's a, I mean, it is left-footed, but it's a volley from 10 feet, yeah. and he puts it over. He's a good enough player to score that. You got to put it on yeah. target, man. Like, make the keeper make a save. And then the second one, a few minutes later, is not quite as high a chance, but he's got a clear-sighted goal from about, I'd call, like a 30-degree angle on the right side. You got to just lash this thing across the net, misses the net completely. And so it's like, man, like, the, again, 
The Fire have not used their one-time buyout clause this year. I know a lot of people would want to see it used on Shabilko, but there's that weird mystery contract he got given this season that was never announced, but is real, that's got him on the team through 2025. And maybe there's some extenuating circumstances that the Fire are trying to do a nice thing, but if that's the case, I think you've got to at least hint that that's what's going on here. You don't have to give it something personal. You don't have to give all the details, but just acknowledge what's going on because instead all you have is a very highly paid player who is stuck being highly paid for several more years, continuing to not be able to perform in the field. And it's not a good situation for anybody. And so in the off season, one way or the other, they've got to, they have to the fire just improve that situation in whatever way they can, whether it's through better transparency about the financials and the reasons behind them, whether it's just biting the bullet and eating that contract. It's again, we'll have to wait and see. Are, is the Philadelphia union major league soccer's equivalent to the Tampa Bay Rays where you don't want to overpay their stars once they run out of contract? There, there is certainly the fact that the, they, they have yet to win a title. They've gotten closer than the Rays ever have. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, they have both gotten yeah. to one world series and lost it. Yeah. Um, we're in MLS Cup and Philly's chance. So, no, I think there's something to be said there. We don't need to rehash the Casper Shabilka conversation. We've outlined why it was a bad deal from the start, why it's being continued. Makes no sense. But you know what does make a lot of sense? Visiting our sponsor oh, of yeah. today's podcast and taking a trip down to Ray Chevy Dodge Jeep Ram. Are you in the market for a new vehicle? Because if you are, then we have some great News for you, Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Fox Lake have joined the CHGO team. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. Right now, for example, during Ram Power Days at CDJR only in Fox Lake, you'll be able to secure 0% financing or 17% off all new Ram Models. That's not all, though. Through Halloween, you can explore newly renovated the newly renovated showroom and take advantage of limited time seven-year anniversary savings. So, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they are the only team we here at CHGO recommend. So, visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CD, CDJR in Fox Lake or Ray CDJR. Dot com. That's R-A-Y-C-D-J-R dot com today, serving the community since 1963. So, Joe, the Fire have played 33 games. Most of MLS have played 33 games. So, with that, let's take a look at the Eastern Conference standings because it is, um, it is an absolute mess right now down <laughs> in the bottom of the MLS Eastern Conference because... You know, D.C. is in a playoff spot and somehow already eliminated, which is hilarious. Uh, If you're wondering, how's that possible? It's because the Fire play NYC this weekend, and any result for the Fire gets them past D.C., and a win for New York City also does the job. So Montreal there at 41 points in that eighth spot. They are kind of the team that everybody else has to judge themselves off of. Nashville's way up at 46 points in seventh place. They are locked in there this weekend. So DC already eliminated. Wayne Rooney is already the coach at (laughs) Birmingham City and a truly bizarre chain of events. Then you've got the Red Bulls, the Fire, and Charlotte all lined up there. NYCFC needs to win, and they need 
a whole lot of help. So, you know, this is just kind of what it's been, Joe. That takes us to, before we get into the scenarios, uh, I'll quickly run through here the relevant games of the weekend. First, there's a game tonight. Yeah, I'm not excited. I don't want to watch that. Uh, so because of Inter-Miami reaching the final of every tournament possible, they basically just ran out of days to reschedule games, and the one yep. that got kicked to the curb was Charlotte. Yep. Okay. Uh, one problem. Uh, they now have to play Charlotte twice in four days. <laughs> so they play Charlotte tonight in Miami. Yep. And then on Saturday in Charlotte, which, uh, okay. So, again, the playoff picture is going to look a little clearer after tonight. Basically, if, if, if Miami wins, Charlotte are kind of screwed. And if Charlotte gets a result, the muck stays the muck. So that's tonight and Saturday. And then all of Saturday's games for the Eastern Conference kick off at 5 p.m. Charlotte against Inter-Miami. Columbus against Montreal, who are in that eighth spot. Columbus are playing for home field in the first round of the MLS playoffs. So they are in, but they, they are still trying to seal a home advantage there in Columbus. Nashville against the New York Red Bulls. Nashville have nothing to play for. They are going to be seventh. They are seventh. That's not changing. Um, and then the fire against New York City FC at City Field, because you never know where it's going to be played out there why is it at city field when the yankees haven't played baseball in two months god only knows no one has any answers it doesn't make sense but anyway with that said joe let's take a look then at what needs to happen for everybody on decision day i think we've got a graphic for that for the folks watch on youtube it's very wordy so i apologize for all the reading that you're now having to do on youtube but <laughs> here's the gist um we're not going to get into the crazy math on charlotte with their two games if they win both their games they're in if they win one, draw one, they're probably in. Um, if they win one and lose the other, it's going to come down to number of wins and goal differential. Who gets the ninth spot? Let's not go there. Yeah. Uh, the lucky thing is that regardless of Charlotte's scenarios, everybody else is real simple because yep. DC is already eliminated. There's basically a free space. Montreal must at least match the results of the Red Bulls and the Fire. The Red Bulls much, must better Montreal's result and at least match the Fire's. The Fire must better the results of both Montreal and Red Bulls, so neither of those teams can win if the fire are going to get in. And then, as I alluded to earlier, NYC need to win, and then they need everybody else to lose. Um, so it's going to be, in this fire NYC game especially, Joe, it's going to be interesting to see if news of what's happening elsewhere, if there's, let's say, a blowout in one of these other relevant games early on, the mood's going to shift in fire NYC because it may either mean that NYC has everything to play for yep. or they could quickly have nothing to play for. It, it should be a high-scoring game. I think we can agree it's going to be an open game or as open as it can be on a tiny pitch on a baseball field. But we talked about the entertainment factor. That's certainly one part of it. But at this point, you need to trust that your goalkeeper, Chris Brady, who is – look at his ex uh, expected goals against versus goals against. It's amazing the way he's performed this year. See what you can get out of him. We talk about it with Shakiri, big players in big games. This is an opportunity for uh, Chris Brady to really step up. And if they don't, if they allow a couple goals, that's okay. You gotta score in a game like this. It's win or go home. Plus, who cares if they win and don't make it to the playoffs? You at least have to you win have to and win. give yourself the chance because if you win and you don't get in, then it's yep. like okay, the points we left on the board were earlier in the season. Oh, it's not It's not oh. about today. We did what we could today, and yep. it wasn't enough. 
I totally agree. Um, you got to go for it. We have seen this movie before the fire and decision day often are not friends. So that's coming up Saturday, five o'clock on MLS season pass on Apple TV. Uh, it's going to be a big day for the MLS 360 whip around show. Eastern conference games kick off at five Western conference games, I believe are seven 30. And so the Western conference then gets to do the exact same thing. Although it's a little less chaotic eight than the East eight o'clock central time. Thank you, Joe, uh, with all of those games. And then MLS playoffs, I believe begin next Thursday with the play in games in both the Eastern and Western conference, which if the fire do get in is probably where they're headed. All right, Joe, we do have a lot of other fire related <laughs> stuff to get to, but we had to move this into the rundown today. It's a magical time of year if you're a fan of Major League Soccer. It is the MLSPA announces what everybody's getting paid day because that's the only way in this league anybody finds out what anybody's making is near the end of the season. The Players Association just dumps a press release. We love unions here. I mean, generally, yes, but this is a weird way to operate. Horrible way, but I'll take it. At least the information is accurate. They, the other next tweet after that was flaming an MLS official account tweet for uh, announcing a credit cards partnership with a tweet that said, (laughs) quote, I hope you can figure out the roster spending rules. Oh, God. So, you know, it's a fun little relationship. Um, A few fire things to note. Uh, Jordan Shakiri makes a lot of money. We already knew that. Uh, Because of some weird accounting, he is now third because Mm -hmm. Lorenzo Insigne made a lot of money then made no money, and now made a lot of money again, however uh, however that works. So Shakiri's guaranteed pay packet, $8.15 million. That's the third highest behind Insignia and Messi, of course. More on him in a second. Uh, we know that Chris Brady, early this spring, he signed a new contract. Yep. He now makes $213,000 a year, which you might say is underpaid for how good he is, but he is 19 years old, and any of us would have, you know, I think cut off a couple fingers at 19 years old for $213,000. Or at least, you know, would have done something stupid. Yes. For $213,000 <laughs> at 19 years old. Uh, Brian Gutierrez makes $240,000. That's even better when you're 19 years old. Um, the Alonzo Aceves loan from Pachuca is costing the fire $369,000. What in the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> How little confidence did they have in Miguel Navarro when they made this deal? Because Alonzo is mostly played sparingly off the bench or in long spurts with CF2. It's it's not I, everyone likes him. Nice guy, big guy. I understand why you'd want him, but whew. he needed depth at the position. But I don't think he needed that. Uh, he will almost certainly not be back next year. I'd be shocked. Uh, the Fire have five players who make a million or more, but this is very skewed because there's a large gap between first and second place. So the over one million dollar in raising order are Casper Shabilko, Rafa Shihos, Jairo Torres, Gaston Jimenez. Jordan Shakiri Jimenez in second place at 1.6 million to Shakiri's 8.15. So big, big golf there. Um, Joe, any any other really big takeaways from you? I, nothing here really surprised me. I was interested to see what those restructured Brady and Gucci deals were, but otherwise, really no news here from a fire perspective. No, I would just encourage everybody to actually look at this, especially with some of the guys on the back end of the roster, just to take into account how hard it is to make a professional career when you're being compensated sometimes in the five figures and you're being expected to create, you know, a physical body and a physical specimen in your twenties, food's expensive, lodging's expensive. It's really tough to be a pro soccer player. In some regards, we talk about the highly paid guys, but 
after taxes, if you look at some of this money, it's genuinely impressive that some of these guys are able to play pro sports without a second job. Yeah, I mean, you've got, I mean, the youngest guys in the fire make $67,000 a year in change. Before taxes. Yeah, yeah before taxes. So that's that's roughly it. Um, Inter-Miami. <laughs> this was, of course, going to be the fun one. Uh, the Athletic put out a great graphic where they had a separate color code just for Messi because of how much money he is owed. So his base salary... $12 million, that does not break an MLS record. That's what Lorenzo Insigne made yep. base when he joined Toronto. $20 million guaranteed compensation. There's a big chunk of bonus money. And then there's the Apple and MLS and God knows what else profit sharing that's going on there. So Lionel Messi's the highest paid player in MLS history by a big distance. And that is not really surprising to anyone. Uh, what is, is that neither Jordi Alba nor Sergio Busquets make designated player money, even though Busquets is supposed to be a DP. But that was never really cleared up because at one time the league said Miami had five of them. So now I have more questions because given the fact that Sergio Busquets' listed salary is $1.5 million, which uh, if you're paying attention at home and doing the math, is less than $1.625, which is the uh, threshold to be a DP or have to be a yep. DP. I've got some questions, both about that and about, you want me to believe that Busquets and Alba are combining for about 45 grand a week? Uh-uh. They can't, genuinely, those guys can't afford to live in Miami no. where they want to live on that salary. No, the, if, they, if they're actually making yep. the salaries that came out today, they are lighting their savings on fire to live in Miami. No, they are very much in Broward County. If, if not closer to, you know, Plantation I mean, Lake I'm over sure they Toby. have a lot of savings, but it, it, Still. there's, so, again, um, through the grapevine, you hear that, uh, does anybody believe Miami are roster compliant? Basically, no. no. Uh, basically, nobody, um, basically, nobody believes this is all above board. It's being accepted for this six-month period. I, I continue to expect some sort of changes in the offseason, or at least some, once the season's over, some front office and ownership figures from other clubs to be willing to talk and be like, okay, this was a fun moneymaker for all of us for six months. But going forward now, uh, if you can spend 20 mil on one dude, kind of everybody needs to be able to do that. Who is the Jerry Jones, Jimmer, say, loud figure in MLS? Is it David Tepper? At this point? The, oh, the person who's holding things back in his life? No, who who is the one who would complain publicly? Because behind and, closed doors, who cares? I mean, um, may, I mean, you look at any of the guys who are really wealthy and have stated they're willing to spend. So Joe Mansueto here in Chicago has, has, has said, had some comments in the past that he's in favor of expanding. Basically, all the guys I'm about to list have. Yeah. Um, Arthur Blank in Atlanta, of I course, has pushed the boundaries as far as he can. Yeah. Um, you know, there are clubs that have the money, like the Rapids, but don't want to spend it. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. I just was laughing when everyone was figuring out last week when the Rapids coaching news, they're like, oh, why would this U18 coach from Arsenal go to the Rapids? Same Hello, ownership guys, same ownership group. It's not that hard to figure yeah. out. So, um, elsewhere, um, Austin's got a lot of money. Yes. Uh, Charlotte FC with Tepper's got a lot of money. Um, the, the people who are holding it back though, it's the product strategy committee, which is yep. hilarious that a professional sports league has a thing called a product project strategy committee. And it is still staffed by people like, uh, Clark Hunt, uh, who really shouldn't be there or as a guy restraining cause he owns a very successful NFL team. Um, so it's, it's the hunts in Dallas. It's Merritt Paulson in Portland. It's guys like that who are, yes, Merritt Paulson is still in Portland, uh, who <laughs> are the people 
holding this back. I do think there's going to be change, but I wouldn't hold your breath too much. All right, we got to keep going here. Next on the docket, MLS 2222 list is out, and the fire have two players on it, which is really cool. We're going to start with Brian Gutierrez, number five. Um, awesome to see Goody that high. I didn't think he was going to be that high, but no. as a guy who many people around MLS and around the U.S. soccer community hold in really high regard, it's nice to see that that opinion of him is then reflected in something like this. Yes, it's there getting there nationally with the opinion on Gutierrez about how highly he's being sought after. Taylor Twelman brought up in the Miami game very early on that he expects him to get a U.S. cap soon enough, if only to prevent him from playing for Mexico in the future. Yeah, Mexico's a mess. I'm just saying it would make sense to cap tie him now while you have some time between a World Cup. Having said that, young player it's great to see him get this recognition when there's clearly still a lot for him to improve on because he would be the first one to tell you his finishing hasn't been good enough this year it just hasn't he's had a lot of expected goals that he's just not been able to turn on target and that's you know he's 20 these things happen it's going to take time but it's great to see him get this kind of recognition Berwin Chicago kid these things matter and bilingual guy cares he's good in front of the camera very kind with his time and Mm -hmm. a fabulous footballer too you hear his teammates talk about him and it really is that kind of recognition that you want to see for a good young player yeah it'll be interesting to see if he gets a usmnt chance in the near future and because as we'll get to in a minute he's a guy who's probably penciled in for the olympics yes in paris next summer and so really what you're going to want to do even though a lot of those guys are good enough to be fringe first team national team players you want that group getting reps together as much as you can rather than hey let's cap tie them to the senior team so I think if Brian Gutierrez continues his current trajectory I think late next year late 2024 is kind of when you look um, for him to make his senior U.S. men's national team debut again assuming all keeps going well Um, so there's a lot of people who vote on 2222 it's kind of opaque who they are but some of them are front-facing, high-profile MLS media people, including mm-hmm. people we've had on this show, the likes yep. of Tom Bogert, Chris Whittingham, et cetera, et cetera. All of those people, most of them put out their lists publicly before these results come out. Basically, every list I saw had Chris Brady in the top 10, and several of those lists had him in the top three. Chris Brady comes in at 17th, and I'm not sure what to make of that. People don't watch the games. Simple as that. Yeah, right. You're looking at the stats. You're looking at the record. You're looking at... I mean, look at the amount of clean sheets he's had despite the defending being what it was this year. Stop. Stop. It's crazy. Look at the goal he even gave up in the U-20 game last night. Wasn't his fault. Not his fault. Poor (laughs) clearance. It could be the title of his 2023 years. Poor clearance is killing me. Chris Brady plays on teams who can't head the ball on set pieces. No. It's remarkable. (laughs) And... I, sure, I've got some bias here. Nice guy, Naperville native, but Whoop. it's remarkable the way he's been not hyped given how hyped Gaga was. It's just, he is this good. He's performed at this level in MLS. Look at how everybody in MLS respects him. Look at how all the guys his age on the U.S. men's national team respect him. Go through the Instagram comments. All these guys are friends and respect each other. Mm-hmm. 17 you're just not watching the games. Speaking of which, um, if you if, if you go by even just looking at the stats, 
Tiago Amada should have topped this list. Oh, Atlanta, he's so good. Uh, he didn't. Alan Velasco did. Alan Velasco has six goal contributions this year. Tiago Amada, I believe, is 28. Uh, I, I, I don't know what we're doing there. Uh, again, I, I don't know. know. Kramoski over him, too. It doesn't make sense. Velasco's a great player. I think he's going to go on to have a real successful career, probably in Europe. Everybody in the league thinks very highly of him, but... If you're going to roll out the red carpet of this list and have this be a big deal, you want to be grabbing headlines. And if you want to grab headlines, hey, we've got a 22-year-old World Cup winner who's tearing our league apart. <laughs> Instead, hey, here's Alan Velasco, who's training with the Argentina U21. Like, have some fun. Put Tolkien at the top. At least he'll brace the enemy role of it. Like, Do something for the sake of content. Velasco's not interesting. It was just, the, yeah, the, the rollout of this was like, oh, man, there's a lot of ways I thought this could have gone. And none of this was, and this wasn't one of the fun ones. Um, speaking of former uh, very talented under twenty two players in Chicago, we can decide how into this we want to get. Uh, Georgie Mihailovic may be exploring a return to Chicago. Our friend Alex Calabrese, now of uh, Syracuse, New York, he'll be in uh, Queens this weekend for Decision Day, making the drive down from upstate. Alex reported that Georgie Mihailovic is interested in rejoining the Chicago Fire with his primary motivation being family reasons and wanting to move back closer to home. Mihailovic, of course, a Lamont, Illinois native, former fire homegrown. Um, so, Joe, before we get into, is this a good idea? Uh, the first question is money. Could you fit him into the budget? I don't think Georgia Mihailovic would command a designated player spot. No. So you can probably get him in on Max Tam. Would you agree? He's he's probably a guy making about one to one point three. Yeah, AZ doesn't have that much to pay. The AZ Akmar where he's playing right now doesn't have the highest of budgets. So yes, and if he really does want to come home, I'm sorry, Georgie, they're going to leverage you on that. So mm -hmm. they they should be going for under a mil, honestly, given how he played recently. Yeah. Okay. So next, so money wise, can the fire sign? Can they afford to do this? Yes, they can. Soccer-wise, is this a good idea? Um, George is a real good player. The question is, and this this took the fire time to figure out, I don't know, and I'd like your thoughts, Joe. Could a team function, and maybe it could, but how would it work if you put George Mihailovic in the same team with Shakiri and Gutierrez? Because if you do that, now you have a very, very narrow uh, attacking midfield trio, which can work, but would require further tinkering from the fire to find a way to get all those guys on the field together. You are going to have to create an entire squad around that trio. And given Gutierrez's injury, I could understand why you do it just over the course of a year, someone's going to get hurt between the three of them. But no, I don't really see how it goes. You'd have to get a serious striker in the middle who's just a big guy. Just because that big hold-up player, just a big hold-up player, kind of the opposite of what Kutsias does, holds up with his head as opposed to holding up with his feet like Kutsi does. I it would require a full roster redo. I don't think the Fire have the center backs to necessarily do that. Because your wing backs would have to fly up the wings in that case. You're gonna have to honestly dispatch more of a Haile Selassie at a wing back position just for his pace, and then you're but you're gonna have to sub out your wing backs at the 60th minute every single. Yeah, because they're gonna be gassed. So I love it on paper. This sounds like Mihailovic is honestly, if he goes back to MLS, I could see him going to any other team in the Midwest. Yeah, because then the last question is, is this a good idea? And <laughs> I'm, so, I mean, okay, we don't need to get into, you know, we're not speaking ill of anyone here. There was a falling out between Mihailovic and the club. Yep. 
that saw him exit. Um, he has not particularly fit in well at the U.S. men's national team, which has been part of the reason he has struggled to get further opportunity there, despite decent performances. He is currently not getting minutes in an AZ Alkmaar team who he is more than good enough to be starting for. And so you have to ask, why? Um, and again, I don't have this reported out, but I mean, I'm familiar with how things ended in Chicago, and I'm familiar with how things have gone with the national team, and it's not hard to then draw that line out to maybe the exact same thing has happened over in the Netherlands where he just has rubbed a coach or players the wrong way and isn't fitting into the squad well. And again, if if there are some, you know, difficult or trying or stressful family reasons that are the motivation for Georgie to want to be close to family, be close to home, that's very understandable. And I, you know, you do not begrudge him that at all. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean you have to make it work from a money standpoint if you are the fireman. Again, it might be the nice thing to do it might be a very good thing to do but again until we hear more details here we'll have to wait and see my my big overarching thing is the fact that he didn't go over to a mid-table air team and win a spot tells me that the the downsides of Mihailovic that we saw in mls have not improved that's my read and you know maybe some will think that's unfair but again i just i just don't know if it's a good idea now, again, if the entire locker room is getting turned over by a new sporting director this offseason, sure, maybe. Throw him in the mix, start over. But I, I just I don't know if you're going to largely be building with the same group. I, I don't know if you want to really throw in the wild card that is a Georgie Mihailovic reunion into that. And that is my two cents. Uh, quickly, Joe, a couple other things before we get out of here. Uh, international break has been ongoing. Oh, yeah. Jordan Shakiri scored a nice goal. In a 3-3 draw with Belarus, the even better news for the fire, that was Switzerland's only game this international break, so Shaq got to come home early. So that's neat. Uh, Brian Gutierrez and Chris Brady have been down in Phoenix with the so jealous. U23s. Uh, it was 96 degrees there yesterday. I'm oh, not jealous at all. Oh, stop. I need uh, a good sweat. So Guti started in the win over Mexico, then came off late against Japan last night, a 4-1 win. Chris Brady started and went 63 minutes over Japan. John Polskamp Played the rest of the way, so all three keepers in camp got a decent run out. Uh, as we mentioned, the bra- the goal was scrappy off a corner. Brady didn't have to do much otherwise. Japan had some really good looks, but they kept either hitting the post or missing yep. the target, so none of it counted as shots on Brady. I think he only was credited with three saves, and two of them were like fielding a slow ground ball. Yep. So it wasn't a particularly interesting night for Chris. He is still on the inside track to be the starter in Paris. It's him or Gaga, assuming everybody's healthy Yes, there are other guys who have thrown their name in the mix, but I think you're too close to the tournament itself for anybody to pass both of them. I'm just hearing an opportunity for CHGO to send Alex to Paris is what I'm hearing. Uh, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking that. J- Joey's, Joey's gone to Paris on the CHGO yeah, dime you'd before. Be the second, uh, you'd be the second beat to head to Paris. <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, are we going to cry at Joakim Noah again? Oh. That would be, uh, I will, you need to bring Matt Peck. If, uh, Let's do it. If, if, yeah. if I went to Paris to watch the soccer Olympics and ran into Joakim Noah, I might cry I might by cry sheer too, surprise honestly. of seeing Joakim Noah. <laughs> that was a crazy day honestly you know i don't know if i'm gonna go on a stretch and say it was the greatest day in chgo history but it's it's definitely got a claim to that as a non-affiliated person i was giggling the entire day at the joy of everybody else (laughs) it was it was really wonderful um the last thing before we got out of here this is something local and something joe and i both have a bit of a stake in 
U.S. Open Cup, third qualifying round. We are down to 44 amateur teams across America, including one called Sharktopus, uh, that are competing for 11 spots. Oh, I got a jersey on pre-order, baby. Uh, you, you hit up Olive and York. Shout out to the great people at Olive and York for everything they do for the soccer community of America. Um, so 44 teams left. We got to get this down to 11 teams for the main draw next year. Saturday night, right after the fire game finishes off. Maybe you will be happy and continuing to cheer. Maybe you will be sad and need a distraction. 7 p.m., Taft High School, Edgewater Castle against Chicago House in the third round of the U.S. Open Cup. One team will advance to the fourth and final qualifying round on either November 18th or 19th. If you want to travel to this game, it is surprisingly accessible by public transit for being all the way out just near O'Hare. It's in Jefferson Park, just east of the airport. Uh, it's walking distance both from the Harlem Blue Line stop and the Gladstone Park Metro Station. So there are actually multiple walking distance public transit options if you want to get out there from the center of the city. I'll be on the call for that game. Very excited about that, having worked with both of those clubs a lot. House, of course, made a big run in the Open Cup last year. We had Matt Poland, the coach, on the show at the time to talk about how much fun he was having with that. So this should be a really interesting game, Joe. Again, two teams you and I know very well. And whoever wins, I think the Chicago amateur community will be excited to support the winner in the fourth and final qualifying round to, again, get a local team into the main draw of the Open Cup. It really is. They're two teams that actually care about the right things. House has shown the ability to really develop talent. Edgewater has as well. Uh, Castle, if we want to tie it back to the fire, had a tune-up against the Fire U19s a couple weeks ago that I was at. A very entertaining match. Some really good young players for the fire were playing just at Foster Turf, like Patrick Loesch and Dylan Ho or uh, Charlie mm -hmm. Hoyer. Like, all these guys were playing and just people walking by. But... <laughs> Uh, in full fire kits, by the way, oh, they, were, they were in the away kit. Uh, Kai Kamara was hiding. Like <laughs> Everybody was there. So things you should be looking out for in Chicago soccer. But this is a really important day. I'm up, I'm going to be in New York for the fire, or a fire game. but Which you will either be proud of doing or regret immediately. I am being like, th <laughs> I will say, because she won't listen to this, my sister, like, thank God she lives there so I can sleep on her couch. There but, we go. Uh, truly, it's going to be such a fun night. I'm so jealous of you being able to be there. The, each of these clubs really has done a lot of good in the city and I'm happy to showcase what they've done uh Matt Poland I will say with that with complete bias one of my favorite coaches who really does care about getting players to the next level um Edgewater Castle is truly an exceptional club community with what they community, do. Club community club to, to a T it's a, they yes. really kind of embody that and it's also interesting because not not a lot of college players basically no college players because those guys are in school so you're relying on a combination of uh, guys our age, um, yep. I, I was marveling at uh, David Abador, well-traveled professional, yep. former fire coach, former fire youth player way back in the day. I marveled on the last broadcast that he was the uh, the old man of the team. Then I realized he's about three months older than me. I'm like, ah, damn. Well, then. <laughs> uh, I guess that makes me old, too. I felt really old when Edgewater's last game ended uh, with a 18-year-old named Andres Roca former Fire Juniors player, a good player. Uh, scoring a good player. the winner. So, you know, if, if you want to enjoy some local soccer and potentially feel ancient, <laughs> tune in. Uh, like I said, I'll be on the call for that. 7 o'clock, Taft High School online on the Edgewater Castle Football Club YouTube page. But again, it's a big day. The Fire Decision Day in Queens against NYCFC. Let's go see the fire get a win, Joe, and let's see a playing game. Let's see maybe soccer at Soldier Field next Thursday. That's a thing that could happen. If it does, maybe we'll get an emergency podcast in ahead of time. But until then, 
First of all, thank you to Joe Chats for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for having me. Always love you guys. Joey behind on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And thank you to everybody who tuned in live here on YouTube and listened wherever you get your podcast. This has been another episode of CHGO Fire. I'm Alex Campbell, and we'll talk to you next time. We all silly like the mayor. 